Welcome to Sport Faith Life with Brian Bolt and Chad Carlson, two guys who came together with one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. They are sports scholars, they're coaches, and they're competitive athletes, or at least they were. And together, they've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. Welcome to Sport Faith Life. I'm Brian Bolt, and I'm here with my co-host, Chad Carlson. And we are continuing our series on the fruits of the Spirit and sport and the seven deadly sins in sport. And we are up to uh, another fruit. There are nine fruits of the Spirit, and we are well over halfway through. We've done love and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. And today we're going to look at this fruit called faithfulness. And when we enter these things, we generally uh, try to look at the word itself and determine what that might uh, mean to us as we think about it just in general. And then we try to apply it to some sort of sporting contest. And it's always been fruitful. How's that, Chad? Uh, Right out out of the gate. Nice. A a good dad pun, right? Right (laughs) out of the gate. So faithfulness. And, uh, you know, that is a very churchy word, faithfulness. It's not used a a lot uh, outside of sort of faith uh, or Christian context. And yet uh, it is when we think of uh, sort of relationships, right? So we think of being faithful to another person. Sometimes we substitute it with words like loyal or loyalty, uh, but it refers to Uh, a connection or another person. The other thing embedded in there is this word faith. And so now we get to sort of a new meaning or thinking about a new meaning. Well, what is faith? And faith has to do with believing in something, even if that something isn't completely proven or completely in front of us, sort of thinking uh, with evidence. But there's, we talk about a leap of faith, right? We talk about going somewhere um, and believing in something when it's not, you know, completely clear that it is proven. And so I think there's a lot of directions we can go with sport. As I think about it, there's kind of a character of faith. There's a, sort of this idea of faithfulness as character. Like um, it, it means that I am going to be faithful to you or I will be faithful to my wife. There's a there's a certain commitment to faithfulness. And we think, too, about that in sports settings. We think about, uh, you know, being faithful to a team might have to do with its loyalty, about commitment. We have things like, you know, I often say to my team, like, this is a year-long commitment. It's not beyond a year. You know, in, a, in another context, um, you can step out of this commitment. Uh, but right now... You're in it, right? Where where I'm committing to you, you're committing to me. So there's a certain team commitment that comes, and we could think about that as faithfulness. But I also think this idea of faith as trust, trust in something kind of beyond us, trust in maybe a process. We often say trust the process in sport, uh, with the idea that at the end of faith, there's something there. That there, uh, this aspiration, we believe that we can actually achieve something or something can be achieved. And so when I think about 
faithfulness. Those are the things that pop immediately in my head. I'll stop there, Chad. When you think about faithfulness, what comes to your mind? Well, I think about Hebrews 11.1. 1 says, now faith is a confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. And like you, Brian, my mind often goes to sport right away too. And so I love the idea of faith as being <clears throat> confidence in what we hope for. I think there's something that's it's maybe fundamental about faithfulness in sport in that sense, um, confidence in what we hope for. And it seems to me that sometimes our confidence in what we hope for is unrealistic in sport, but there's evidence of faithfulness then. So I'm thinking of the team that isn't very strong going up against the first place team in the league or division. And by any objective measure, the team's going to lose. But you step onto the field or the court or whatever else it might be, and you give it your all. And there's something about what you're hoping for and, and, and confidence in, like you said earlier, your team and your coach and who you have around you. And so often that doesn't lead to victory. But part of the beauty of sport is that we get to hope for that thing again next time. But there always seems to be a next time. And so faithfulness in what we have and what we're creating, what we're cultivating. It doesn't have to be wins and losses. We get too short-sighted when that's what we're focusing on and that's what we're hoping for. But think about the ways in which teams work together, the ways in which we're developing skills, the ways in which we're living into the commitment, <clears throat> to use your word, commitment to the team and to the the best interests of the team and, and uh, the duration of the commitment, putting ourselves forth uh, in, in confidence, hoping for uh, results, but hoping for a process that will lead us to uh, positive results by the end of the season, or at least improved results from what we had at the beginning. So I love that idea of faithfulness. And I think that's not exactly, you know, that doesn't encompass the fullness or the breadth of, of the word faithfulness itself. But I think that's a way in which we can see that in sport, um, the faithfulness in what we're hoping for. What we're hoping for is particular results or a process that leads to certain results in sport. So I like that second, I, th I think there's a definite connection between that second facet of faithfulness that you mentioned. And I would say in regards to the first one, you're talking about, uh, uh, you know, faithfulness to, to one spouse, for instance, or to a, a relationship. There's, there's loyalty, right? That's the word that we use. And loyalty is a big, a big term in the world of sport as well. Um, mm -hmm. Specifically from the spectatorship side where, you know, we're loyal fans. What does it mean to be a loyal fan or a faithful fan. There's something that's, uh, I think, honorable about that in the world of sport to the point where, you know, we, we give someone a hard time if they're a fair weather fan. That is, they're only only loyal. They only, they only step into their faithfulness towards that team if the team's doing well. Or we think about, um, you know, especially maybe younger younger fans, younger kids who happen to just choose to root for the, you know, the it player, the, the player of the day, the player of the year, whatever, the, you know, the most popular player at the time. And that changes from year to year. And we say there's just no loyalty there, right? There's no faithfulness to one particular team. So I know you can resonate with that, Brian, as a Detroit Lions fan. So I wonder if I'll stop there and allow you to, to share some of your thoughts. You know, yesterday I was talking with a friend. He's uh, a pediatrician and as a pediatrician, he said, I have to do something for Halloween. 
He said, I, I, I have to, you know, dress up. I have kids coming into my office. I have to come up with something. And for years, he's been kind of ribbing both me and my son about the success of the Green Bay Packers, right? So he kind of outed himself as a Green Bay Packer fan. And the Green Bay Packers would just, he brought it up, rip on the the Detroit Lions time after time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the tables have turned a little bit. And he... Uh, went into his uh, in, into his office this year with an Amon Ra St. Brown jersey on and nice. some eye black so that he went as a football player, right? So that's what he dressed up as, which a lot of people do, right? And he dressed up as a football player and he said he could not believe the contempt that he got from his staff. And, <laughs> you know, his... Uh, his staff know know him to be a Green Bay Packer fan, right? So they know that he is, you know, sort of stepping outside himself. He actually had to borrow the jersey. You're gonna get a, you're gonna find a um, a Detroit Lions jersey where we live, way more prevalent. His he had to borrow the jersey from his son, and so he he wears this jersey, and he said his staff wouldn't talk to him all day. They said you have you have turned you you are a yeah, traitor, right? right. Uh, not only are you kind of dissing your own team, but we don't want you on ours, by the way, right? <laughs> so there's this uh, deep loyalty. And with that loyalty comes, it's it's almost like a marriage oath in that mm-hmm. there are the best of times and the worst of times through thick and thin, through richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. And if you only take the health and you only take the richness... Like anybody does that. There's nothing hard in that. And so when we think about fanaticism, we think about loyalty to a team, that feels like a character trait in some ways. We Now, it's I think it's really misguided for us to connect that, but we do, right? We, we connect that to a character trait that you need to be loyal to your team. You need to be faithful to your team, particularly when things are going poorly. And so I think that resonates with us quite well, that uh, we have that sort of sense. And, and I also like when you go back to your first comment, you, you set up this scenario where there was the better team and the worst team. And so another version of faithfulness, it sort of struck me that often what we're doing in sport, and particularly yeah, uh, because the sport ebbs and flows, sometimes you're the best, sometimes you're the worst, often you're somewhere in the middle. But you're aspiring to something that is really unexpected. In fact, it it defies logic. Uh, it it uh, doesn't make any sense for the lower seated team, for the lesser team, to beat the other team, right? The to the favorite, and yet, and yet, it happens, right? It happens in sport, and part of that faithfulness is that trust that somehow, somewhere, there's going to be this opportunity, right? There's this unexpected moment. And I think in some ways, faith reaches out to that and says, uh, as much as this defies logic, I can put my full trust in this. I can put my full belief in this. And I can move forward as if it's going to happen. I can trust that it will happen. And I think we get practice of that in sport. So, what do you think? 
You know, that's the second part of Hebrews 11, 1, right? Assurance in what we do not see. And I think what you're describing is something that nobody sees, like the lower seated team, like nobody, nobody sees this outside of you. And there's something that's special about that kind of faithfulness or that kind of um, belief, right? And that's, that's essentially what we're getting at with faithfulness is it's a belief. And so there, I, th- I agree with you. I think this is, you know, we see glimpses of the kingdom at hand. This is definitely it and in terms of the, this theological virtue of, of faithfulness and it's fruit of the spirit. So I love I love thinking about that. I, I, in some ways, you know, you and I, Brian, being in academia, are so, sort of socialized out of having um, beliefs that aren't rational. Or, 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 you know, I'm always asking my students, well, "Where's your evidence for this or that?" And that's this way that I think too. You know, it's based on evidence. And yet, when we talk about sport and think about sport, that's that's the beauty and the value of it. Is that this is why we play the games is to see who's going to win, because so often the outcomes defy belief from everybody outside of the underdog that, that wins because of, uh, you know, this assurance that they have and what they, and what we do not see and don't believe can happen. But that's, that's part of the joy of sports, the unpredictability, the lack of scripting. And so there's something special about that kind of faithfulness that I, I, I definitely resonate with and, and appreciate. And having myself been a part of, uh, you know, underdog teams at times, you know, there's just something that's really inspiring about about an underdog story where the belief is there. It's definitely there. The faithfulness is there. And that's what oftentimes leads to the result that you want. It's because everybody has bought in despite um, a losing record or despite uh, lower statistics or, or, you know, whatever else it might be. So something really special about that. I, I love the, I love the, the spectatorship aspect of all this too. And, and I love that story that you shared about uh, the, the lion's jersey. And it seems to me that there's something in there as well that's 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 different from what the Christian faith offers in terms of faithfulness. So we're faithful to a particular team, you know, you to the Detroit Lions. You have been loyal to them, faithful to them for years, and they have let you down time <laughs> and time again. So there's something honorable on, on your behalf because you're showing faithfulness or loyalty to something that doesn't love you back. Mm. And that's, what's different from, you know, the, the faithfulness to, to Jesus Christ is that it's a, uh, is, is the, the faithfulness is, I don't think reciprocal is the right word, but the faithfulness is, is never ending um, on, on God's behalf towards us. And so there's, there's something that's, that's different about that. I'm still trying to figure out from a moral perspective how much value to put on you know, loyalty and faithfulness to a particular team, because it does, I do think it shows some, some quality and some character that's important for us, but I, I wouldn't want to be, you know, duped into putting my loyalty or faith in something that is going to, is going to let me down or, or put too much into that, you know, beyond sort of the trivial, I, I love the lions, I always watch the lions, I always cheer for the lions, right? That, that's, that's there. That's fine. That's great. It's part of the habits that make our lives worth living. And I know that as a Chicago Cubs fan myself, we were lovable losers for, for decades. And yet it seems like there's, there's more to parse out there because the faithfulness that one would have as loyalty towards one's God and savior would be towards an entity that will always love you you back, that whose, whose love is never ending, as opposed to a sports team or a franchise that might have 
you know, making money as their ultimate goal and therefore get rid of the team star players and not actually try to win as hard as the fans would like them to try to win. Yeah. And I think what you're doing here is you're pointing out the inadequacy of our comparison. What we're talking about here is a game-like faith, right? It's a playful faith in some ways. And a faith in God, a faith in Jesus Christ is different, right? It's, it's much different. And, and I, but I, I wonder if there are some things for us to draw from, from that as well. When I think about faith as it's described in the Bible, one, it's described as a gift. So it's interesting that a gift of the Spirit is faith. And so it, in some ways, relinquishes our ownership of faith, uh, maybe uh, removes some of the striving that we might have in faith. And it's more of an acceptance. Faith is less about us holding on to God as it is about God recognizing that God has, is holding on to us. And so our way of thinking about faith could be quite different. The other thing, there's a lot of currency in faith. I'm just trying to think about, like, if you go to Hebrews again, it talks about Abraham and having his faith credited to him, right? Credited to him as righteousness. And so there's a lot of currency. There's a lot of strength to this idea of faith that somehow uh, that level of belief beyond yourself, trusting beyond yourself, is uh, a really high level of, uh, of a character trait or of a, of, a, of a, you know, action. And so I think there, there are ways for us to think about this that uh, maybe put the attention away from the person and uh, put it more on sort of this idea of process or trust that uh, might help us think about how this might work in a sporting environment. And maybe it's more interpersonal. So I think about the coach and the, and the player. I think about the player and the player in terms of trusting what happens. You know, we, we started talking about football, so let's stay right there. That might be the perfect game for uh, requiring a level of trust, like a, a group level of trust. It's, it was always interesting, interesting to me that most of my team, you know, when I, when I played football, I was able to do the fun stuff. I threw the ball. I was the quarterback, <laughs> but I was in such dependence on my offensive line and my offensive line got zero chance to verify that I was doing what I needed to do. They had to trust that I was doing what I needed to do. Sometimes, like, if I would take a sack, they would come back and say, like, what happened, right? Do I, uh, I held my guy out, right? So there, there is such blind trust in this sport where we're right next to each other but looking in different directions. And so it's just interesting to me that that, uh, that level of trust is so built into the game, so required. And often you have to do something that's counterintuitive, some thought that like, okay, wait, I need to do this because I'm, uh, I'm anticipating there's going to be pressure from one direction or from the other. But the truth is that's somebody else's job and I have to trust that they do it, right? If I don't trust that they do it, everything else breaks down. And so we have this trust that goes across our teammates. And then we have trust between sort of a, a player and a coach, uh, one trusting that you'll follow the process, that you won't 
hold all my mistakes against me, um, which is a, a, you know, in some ways a, a parental or even a godlike trust, right? And we're we're certainly not worthy of that as humans, but we practice it. We practice it in on the in the arena of sport and in other arenas. There's a story of a legendary college basketball coach named Pete Carroll from Princeton who who said in his autobiography that he believed that he was worth five to 10 points every game for his team. That was sort of his, his hmm. value to the team. And I think he's making, he's making some commentary on trust and belief and sort of the, the team being one as a whole. But I think he felt like that was his obligation to the team that, you know, they come and play for me. And he ran this really unique offense at the time. It's still relatively unique uh, low scoring. So five to 10 points for in his scheme was worth maybe twice that in the NBA right now. So we're thinking about a pretty substantial amount there, but it was interesting that he tried to sort of quantify what he was worth to the team. And that story comes to my mind when thinking about the ways in which we trust each other to do things, everybody to, to sort of to do their job. We have faith in that happening. I think what he was saying is that, you know, his faithfulness to his program was that he's entering into every game knowing that he has something to offer strategically and he will do that to the best of his ability. You know, he swears to his players or whatever else that, that that's what he'll bring to the team. And I think that generates sort of faithfulness within a program. And his program was always um, under, under athletic. I mean, they were never, rarely ever were their players going to the NBA or even getting a sniff in the NBA, but he had teams that were relatively successful, especially at their level. And so there was something there about the the synergy that came from a belief system throughout the program that everybody can do their role. Here's what he can offer. Here's what he can do. Um, so thinking about it as a gift is one way, you know, you mentioned that, um, that's an interesting one to me too, especially when we think about professional sports teams and spectatorship, you know, what is the gift and that's, that comes from the team. It's the ability to watch from the, from the franchise, right? The ability to watch the organization. Um, last week I was in a screen printing, uh, uh, facility, as uh, a family that I know, and they were, they were creating some, some stickers to go on some whiskey bottles that, uh, that an NBA team is going to give to its season ticket holders. Mm. And my thought was, Oh, that's really interesting. Like there, there's a, they're giving a gift to the team, I, you know, to the, the franchise is giving a gift to the season ticket holders. Mm-hmm. If I'm a fan of that team, I want the gift to be that the team plays really well and tries their best to win all the time. <laughs> I don't need a, a fifth of a vodka or whiskey or whatever it was to, you know, to, to engender loyalty. But I think that's sort of what it comes down to in a lot of our elite level sports that it's, a, it's transactional these gifts being given back and forth. And I think we lose some of what's special about the faithfulness there when, when that's what becomes the gift as opposed to, you know, the fan who shows up because they just love the team and the team trying their best every day and showing joy and doing so, you know, attempting to win because it's the, it's the right thing to do and because it's fun to play. And, you know, there's community that's being built. That's not about, you know, necessarily tangible gifts. It's about uh, community. And that might be, you know, some of what, what's really special about the, the, the faithfulness within sport. Yeah. I, I like how you started to kind of steer this in a, in a direction of caution. One where we 
think about the inherent goods of sport, uh, the inherent um, sort of satisfactions of sport, and how when we take our eye off that ball and get to a more trivial place, a transactional place, uh, it definitely cheapens the experience. It definitely changes the experience, and and it might um, like it. It might move us to a place where some of those bonds, some of those good some of those uh, sort of outcomes are kind of lost because we've t- we've taken our eye off why we were here in the first place i think there are other cautions that we can bring to this and i think you alluded to it a little bit before where we have had because we're human we've had multiple situations where our either our loyalty was not reciprocated or there was a you know um like a, a detrimental act, right? When there's when there's a kind of a loyalty, a trust, a faithfulness that makes a person vulnerable, and this could be in any kind of relationship, but certainly in a you can imagine this in a sport relationship. Uh, and there are bad actors or bad actions. Uh, there's a deep level. There is a deeper deeper level of hurt. Um, you know, you put yourself in a circumstance where you actually trust someone. And what I often hear from athletes actually are stories like this, where uh, either a teammate or a coach, usually it's someone closer to you. It's not an opponent. Opponents are doing their job to give you, you know, a bad experience, (laughs) but you trust teammates and you trust coaches. And when they don't live up to uh, the anticipated expectation, there's a lot of hurt and a lot of trust and sometimes a loss, right? A loss of... Uh, that experience. I mean, so many people talk about leaving a sport uh, because of the leadership that was in place. I just heard a stat recently about how people are willing uh, to take less money, even significantly less money, to work for a good manager, to work for a kind manager. Uh, And that makes some sense. Like The quality of your role uh, is often determined by the person superior to you. And so I, I think that that is a reminder for those people that are in leadership roles in sport, how fragile and vulnerable some of our participants are. And what we're asking of them is a certain level of loyalty or faithfulness. And there's a great responsibility to give that back in really good ways. And so I think it is important to to just acknowledge like in sport, fan loyalty and even team loyalty has potential for uh, harm. Uh, And so we hate to go into those things with such caution, but we're aware that we're we're people that are sinful and uh, easily duped. And so these are are things to remember in sport when we think, you know, there's nothing but goodness that comes from loyalty. Sometimes loyalty can lead to some pretty harsh uh, outcomes. Amen to that. And I think that gets me excited to talk about the next uh, fruit of the spirit, the next one that will come, which will be self-control for us. Uh, really interesting lead in, but it's a fascinating topic. And I think that the, the robustness of the, the idea of faithfulness is just so evident and, and sport offers a really nice laboratory for us to be able to explore it. Thanks for tuning in to the Sport Faith Life Podcast, a conversation at the intersection of sport and faith. 
Read the corresponding blog post and learn more about us at sportfaithlife.com. Listen to more of our podcasts on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with everything sport, faith, life. Thank you.